four, three, two, one. Sorry, no passes, coupons, or discounted tickets accepted for this performance. Except here on the Historic Limwood Theater podcast, you always get an earful Foxtrot Romeo Echo Echo. That's right, folks. Absolutely free. Good morning, everybody. It's Kevin at the Historic Linwood Theater podcast coming to you the day after Martin Luther King Day. It's the 17th of January already. Yes, we're in the year 2023. Holy smokes. So, here's the revised schedule for the week. Uh, continuing on, so, which means uh, Tuesday, which is, of course, our traditional open-captioned OCAP night in conjunction with our Senior Tuesday promotion. Continuing on is The Whale. And more about that in a minute here as we do a little bit of our HLT exposition for the podcast today. Uh, the Whale will continue tonight. Open captioned. It's Tuesday, mm-hmm, 17th. The Whale will play at 4.30 and 7 o'clock for your viewing pleasure. As well as Wednesday and Thursday in the standard closed caption format, again, at 4.30 to 7 o'clock. Then on Friday, EO trots into town. Who is EO? EO is a donkey. And uh, this is a wonderful tale uh, of how life in modern Europe looks to a donkey. And much more on that in uh, in just a minute here as we continue our exposition as uh, part two of the program for today. We give you the uh, tofu and potatoes up front and then we cut into some of the details later on talking about who the film was done by, its history, cinematography, some of the backstory, all getting you prepared for full immersion and enjoyment and engagement with the film. So on Friday, we go to another stack schedule. I'm having a little bit of a uh, ongoing battle with our booking agent uh, about this, but uh, she seems to feel that having two films at once is the way to go. So who am I to argue? All right, so coming on Friday, January 20th, EO will kick off at 5 o'clock, followed by The Whale at 6.45. I'll repeat that. This Friday is EO at 5 and The Whale at 6.45. Yes, it's a cinematic menagerie. Saturday and Sunday, January 21st, then, EO will play at 3 for the matinee with The Whale at 4.45 and 7 o'clock. And then Monday through Thursday of next week, January 20th, 23rd to 26th, EO will play at 5, followed by the whale at 645. Okay, so there's your schedule. That's all you really need to know. This has replaced the old 842-3080 number, uh, as a number of you have commented upon or questioned about. But uh, So this replaces that as our podcast. It's the coming attractions feature that we do every Tuesday to keep you abreast of what's playing at the Historic Linwood Theater and sometimes why. So let's get into uh, some of the detail uh, about the whale. First of all, I want to say a few words about the uh, aspect ratio uh, of the whale and why it's so important. So bear with me here as uh, we take a little retrospective look at this this fascinating uh, movie technology. The aspect ratio is in relationship to the size of the film presentation on the screen. So what you see up there normally is what we call a 16 
by nine uh, format, which is 16 units wide by nine units tall. And that pretty much fills up our screen here. That's the way it's designed. That is the uh, modern day cutting edge standardized viewing format, 16 by nine. However, before that, uh, the ratio was four by three, which you will all recognize as um, boxy. The ends are cut off and it's somewhat squished down into a 4.3 aspect ratio, four units wide and three units tall, or uh, for our purposes here, because it is enlarged, is actually 1.85 to one. And uh, Darren Aronofsky has chosen to use that particular ratio, what is called the Academy Ratio, for his spectacular film, The Whale. There's a couple of reasons behind that. Uh, one is that uh, going to the additional lengths, which is, you know, sometimes called uh, Panavision uh, because it is wider. It is, uh, offers you more uh, real estate as far as your viewability is concerned. And most notably, it was used uh, in way back in 1952 with Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, those are the types of movies that uh, made it popular. Some of the more uh, you know epic films at the time, uh, think uh, Patton, think uh, Oklahoma, think the, the South Seas, uh, the South Pacific, excuse me, um, where it was important uh, geographically to include as, as much uh, imagery on screen as possible. So we stretched it out, went to entirely a new format in order to, and some, uh, uh, even the uh, Cinevision, uh, Cinerama was 147 degrees of viewability, and that debuted, they called it widescreen back in 1952. In 1953, Shane, you'll remember that one, uh, debuted in, in a similar format, which is actually 1.66. And um, since then, we've gone through many, many uh, versions of uh, pretty much the same idea of, of making the picture larger on the screen. Uh, CinemaScope was 2.35 to 1, uh, as exemplified by 1955's The Robe. And then um, Paramount was the only uh, studio at the time that uh, experimented with their own version, and they called it uh, Vista Vision, and that was 1.85 to 1. We call that uh, in the industry scope. So the, the two options that we have available to us today are scope, which is uh, the larger format, 16.9, uh, or flat, which is the, the, the boxy 4 to 3 ratio. Now, 70 millimeter um, adds yet another option. And back in 1955, and especially uh, in 1970 with uh, Patton, uh, was a 2.20 to 1 ratio. And that used to, there was just more real estate on the film, 70 millimeters as compared compared to the standard 35. So why then would Darren Aronofsky choose to use uh, a, a boxy type of uh, aspect ratio for his uh, film, The Whale? Because anything larger than that just shows 
more of the one room in, in which this film was captured and created. Yes, it's a adaptation of a play that takes place in one room. So if you were to imagine then expanding that, that ratio from 4.3 to 16.9, all you would see is more of the same, more room. You might see a table, a bookshelf, uh, a chair, uh, maybe a bunch of clothes tossed in the corner. Uh, uh, totally unnecessary because the way that Aronofsky uses in conjunction with his DP, director of photography and, and cinematographer, the way he uses the camera motion then to juggle the viewing position to provide uh, a positive, a beneficial, a more appropriate viewing angle is absolutely phenomenal. If you watch, if you pay particular attention to the camera movement in this film, I think you'll be amazed at how artistic it actually is. And we, of course, are proxy for the camera. In any situation, if you're seated in your house and somebody knocks on the door and comes in, you're going to turn your head to see who it is. Maybe you'll shift your shoulder shoulders a little bit, maybe you'll lean to the right or the left in order to see what's going on, especially if you're confined to that couch or in this particular case, that wheelchair. So the use of the camera movement by by tilting, by panning, by dollying uh, provides a much greater degree of engagement to bring the audience into the film. And this is used uh, fabulously by Aronofsky in The Whale. Not to mention the fact that our protagonist here, being uh, of 600 pounds, sometimes, often, will take up that entire four by three box shape. He'll be the only thing in the image. And it's very powerful. It's stunningly powerful. I'm actually surprised, and maybe he did. Next time I talk to Darren, I'll ask him uh, if he flirted with uh, making this film in black and white, because I think that would have been even uh, a, a better, uh, more graphic illustration of, well, the, the power of the characters and their arc in this film. So um, I'm a big fan. I think uh, Brendan Fraser, he of Cornish Institute of the Arts, has done a magnificent job and I told uh, two patrons last night, uh, as they were admiring uh, our framed poster of the Banshees, that, um, yes, Colin Farrell got my vote for uh, Best Actor in Leading Role up until I saw this movie and saw Brendan Fraser apply his trade. And, and now it's a toss up. Uh, so please come out and check out uh, The Whale. Uh, I know that the buzz is on the streets. People are talking about it. They're talking about it, uh, the Golden Globes. Uh, they're talking about it uh, as, a, again, Academy Award uh, nominations. So come out and see what the buzz is all about. The Whale, 4.30 and 7 o'clock until Thursday. Then... On Friday, we launch a new film, and uh, it is called, interestingly enough, which, and it's a joy for those of us that are tasked with uh, changing the marquee several times um, over the course of the week. So in some cases, when we had these stacks, <clears throat> which is uh, two films playing simultaneously, we, I, have, <laughs> am up there uh, changing the marquee, the letters on the marquee, on a daily basis. It's is it cumbersome? Is it tiresome? Is it redundant? Uh, 
sometimes. Uh, we try to be clever with it, but uh, when you have a movie title that only has two letters, and, and there are, have been, um, uh, there's a precedence here, um, it and E.T. to bring in. Those are really fun, right? Okay, so go out and change the marquee. Yes, sir. What's what's playing? E.O. What else? No, that's it. E.O. All right. So what is E.O.? Who is E.O.? Uh, let's get started with some of the backstory. The taxonomy is the science of animal classification. You know that. So a donkey, what is a donkey? Donkey is the same as a jackass, or as the Italians say, asino. It is taken from the Latin asinus, which is the plural. Um, ass, asses, not quite sure, but uh, same as a donkey. A male donkey is called a jack. You probably knew that. A female donkey is called a jenny. And speaking of the banshees, we just saw that last week, uh, the, the sweet and lovable jenny. A female donkey ready to breed is known as a broodmare. And I hope I pronounced that correct. It could be broadmare. Maybe that's where we got broadmoor. But um, a female donkey ready to breed is known as a broodmare. A young donkey is known as a foal. Uh, we have seen that before in horses because, after all, the, we're talking half horses here. A mule, then, is the offspring of a male donkey, a jack, and a female horse, a mare. Boy, it sure feels like a song coming on. <laughs> I can sing this. No, you don't want me to sing this. A hinny is a hybrid between a female donkey, Jenny, and a male horse, a stallion. Genealogically, it is more difficult to reproduce a hinny uh, than it is a mule because there are some chromosome things, chromosomeological things that take place here to make it difficult. Uh, the odds are against. Now it gets fun because a burro in Spanish is a donkey, right? In, in, in our terms, in English terms, it means uh, in the USA, just a small donkey. So that's a burro. What then possibly could a burrito be? Of course, if you ask the folks next door at Miguelitos, they will tell you it's the best thing on the menu. <clears throat> However, uh, quite literally in Espanol, a burrito is a little donkey, a small donkey. Okay? I wonder where this uh, terminology came from, right? Because uh, there, a pack mule is noted, obviously, for carrying tools, water, supplies, uh, whatever is necessary to get the adventurer, uh, prospector, um, hunter-gatherer from point A to point B is packed on the back of a, a burrow and hence is called a pack mule. All right, so wouldn't it make sense then to pack a corn or flour tortilla with yummy stuff to eat the same way that you pack a mule to go prospecting into the hills of the Sierra Madre? I think so, bogey. So anyway, that is the, <laughs> the history, the linguistics behind uh, the burrow, the burrito, the henny, the jack, the mule, the mule, and um, everything else you possibly want to know, all leading up to the fact that uh, in EO, which opens on Friday, let me turn the page here and I'll tell you what time, opens up Friday at 5 o'clock, EO hits 
town, trots into town, compliments of director, and I'm going to do this very slowly, Jerzy Skolomowski. Recent study from 2019 shows that a donkey's cognitive capabilities are genetically not considerably different from those of humans. Hmm. Whether a donkey is smart seems to be more a cultural consideration rather than one based on scientific evidence. What is sure is that their contribution to human society is substantial, whereas human treatment of donkeys over the centuries cannot be described in any way as being quite so benevolent. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. So, interestingly enough, how are you going to do that? I mean, just close your eyes for a moment here and picture if you were given the funding of a, of a major studio, say they gave you, I don't know, $15 million to make this film of a script that was handed to you that contained that synopsis. All right, well, I'm going to read that one again for you quickly here. So you've got $50 million. You need to make the film, and here's the synopsis. We want to follow a donkey who encounters good and bad people, experiences joy and sorrow, exploring a vision of modern Europe. How are you doing so far? We become his eyes and soul through the magical lens of a master craftsman, and you are the master craftsman. How would you do that? What would a, don a sentient donkey see as humanity in modern Europe? Invite you to come out and watch and see how uh, Jerzy Skolomowski um, does this. And from what I'm understanding, he does it uh, to great uh, poetic and cinematic effect. And I, for one, am very much looking forward to seeing that. Let me give you the schedule one more time. Uh, it's a menagerie this week at the Historic Linwood Theater. Uh, tonight, O'Cap is the Whale at 4.30 and 7. Wednesday and Thursday, the Whale plays at 4.30 and 7 again. Then on Friday, Friday we debut EO at uh, 5 o'clock, and uh, the Whale shows at 6.45. So this is a stack. We got EO at 5 and the Whale at 6.45. Then on Saturday and Sunday, January 21, EO at 3 and the whale at 4.45 and 7. Monday through Thursday of next week, uh, including Tuesday night's OCAP version. And, and by the way, uh, EO is subtitled, so there'll be no OCAP for that on Tuesday. The whale, however, we will play it tonight and next Tuesday. But uh, Monday through Thursday of next week, January 23rd to 26, EO at 5 and the whale at 6.45. And now in the special news department... We offer you the opportunity for a double bill. That's right, a double feature. Remember those days, how much fun it was? You could spend the entire afternoon at your movie theater of your choice. And I did that many, many a Saturday or Sunday afternoon when I was growing up in Southern California. There were three theaters that we frequented down there. One, I ended up getting my first job in motion picture industry at the Paradise Theater in Westchester, California, which is a couple of five irons from LAX and then right down the street uh, less than a half a mile was the Loyola Theater which was uh, absolutely majestic in its architecture and had a lobby and a balcony and while the Paradise had a cry room where parents uh, of young children who were you know, not enthralled with the movie and bored or hungry or, or whatever 
could go sit in this room that was totally soundproofed. So you could sit there and the baby could scream away, but you could still watch the movie without bothering anybody else. But uh, the Loyola had uh, upstairs and uh, the balcony, we used to love to sit up there and you know put our feet up on the chair in front of us and get cozy and comfortable because uh, you could easily see the ushers come in with their flashlights and then you get your feet down and put them in their legal position. And then lastly, uh, one of my favorites theaters was uh, the Fox Venice. And that was about two miles from Venice Beach inland. And uh, I think it was on Lincoln. And it was an old-time theater built in the early 50s and uh, loved going down to uh, to the Fox Venice. That was a special treat. Uh, the reason to bring this up, it's a double-bill opportunity for you on Friday because if you buy a ticket for the nightcap, the 7 o'clock show, you can stick around for that evening's world presentation of local filmmaker Andrew Taylor's recently completed 15-minute short entitled Steak. That's right. So it's a double feature. Uh, we're just going to let you hang around. So come and watch uh, the, the incredible work that Aronofsky has done with The Whale and the fabulous performance by Brendan Fraser. And then stick around uh, because 20 minutes later, we'll put uh, local island filmmaker Andrew Taylor's latest work up on the screen for your consideration. The, uh, that movie is a free screening. So buy your ticket for The Whale and stay for the free Foxtrot Romeo Echo Echo screening. The world premiere of local filmmaker Andrew Taylor's Steak. Remember, we've got movie posters for sale, and I've got a sample of uh, my favorite film from last year, Banshees of Inisherin. I've got it all framed up and ready to go, and those are for sale. I've got uh, my assistant, uh, Cherry, that is uh, ceaselessly and tirelessly and effectively and efficiently putting together a list of all of the posters, the movie posters from all the films that we've had play here at the Historic Nomad Theater, and uh, they are for sale, and they are for sale if you'd like us to go to the labor of uh, matting and framing them for you as well. So that's all we have time for today, folks. As always, it's been a tremendous pleasure on my part to be with you here for the coming attractions, the weekly announcement of what's playing at the historic Linwood Theater and when, sometimes even why. Ciao.